The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. CPAP stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. To date, CPAP is one of the most effective ways of treating sleep apnea. Unfortunately, as our waistlines have increased over the years, so too have the number of adults being diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea. It is estimated obstructive sleep apnea affects 5% of Australians. So today we're going to speak with sleep scientist Lizzie Tilson about the most popular form of treatment, CPAP, and answer some questions that you should know about. What is obstructive sleep apnea? So obstructive sleep apnea occurs when um, when your upper airway collapses. So just at the back of your throat there, mm-hmm. um, it collapses and it stops you from being able to get any air in or out. Okay. Um, obviously, this causes your oxygen, uh, your blood oxygen levels to decrease, uh, which puts a bit of a strain on your heart because then your heart has to work overtime. Yeah. Um, and then, which can then lead to more serious health conditions. And so, what are some signs that you would start thinking it might be obstructive sleep apnea. Would there be things that you would start to be doing that would be symptoms of obstructive sleep apnea? Yes. So often people are really tired during the day, and that's because if they've got, if they're having uh, breathing events yeah. uh, throughout the night, um, often they're having quite a few of those. Yeah. And uh, each time they have a breathing event, they need to wake up to breathe again. Oh. So they, so even if they don't wake up enough to realise they've woken up, they still have it, their sleep is still disturbed, mm. and so therefore they can be quite uh, not very good quality sleep, and it can make them really tired during the day. They might wake up with headaches, yeah. or they might find um, they get a bit of reflux, uh, so gastro gastroesophageal reflux. Yeah. Um, they might have some trouble concentrating. Yeah. Um, it's snoring. Probably, is that... I was going to say, they yeah. probably have been kicked out of their bedroom for, for snoring really loudly. Yeah. And what about <laughs> patients that are living at home on their own? How would they be able to pick up would it be the symptoms like feeling sleepy during the day, those sort of symptoms that would be indicative rather than knowing, you know, you, you wouldn't have people witnessing your apnea and apnea meaning when you're stopping to breathe, would those be the other symptoms they should be looking yes. out for? Yes. So sometimes they might find that they wake up gasping for air. Mm-hmm. Um, they might find uh, that they get up and go to the toilet a lot during the night, so they might get up a few times a night to go to the toilet. Yeah, right. um, but also they, they might find they have low mood um, during the day at, at you know, any time. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're all symptoms and, and definitely worth discussing with your GP. Yeah. So how many episodes of stopping breathing during the night would be of concern? So when you've been diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea, would it be having how many episodes a night? If somebody has five or more breathing events mm-hmm. per hour on average, we would call that sleep disordered breathing. Okay. So although five events per hour um, is only mild, yes. Um, if somebody has 30 events per hour or more, we would yes. call that severe obstructive sleep apnea. Okay. And that, and that can have um, be quite concerning and often the symptoms are usually a lot more uh, noticeable, mm-hmm. not always, but usually. 
uh, they, they also the health effects are a lot, you know, a lot more severe as well. Okay. And so what is one of the most common treatments that is very effective for treating obstructive sleep apnea? So the most effective treatment for obstructive sleep apnea is what is a, a thing we call CPAP. Uh, and C- what does that actually mean? <laughs> it sounds very cool, but um, I know. what does it mean? So CPAP stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. Yeah. And what that does is it, it basically it just blows air into your airway mm-hmm. um, and acts as a splint to keep your airway open so you can continue to breathe all night. Okay. So that's why you would need a CPAP machine to open up that airway to stop you having these episodes of not breathing during your sleep. That's correct, yes. Yep. Yep. Will it actually then stop the snoring and will it, it, do you find it helpful in most patients or what's the sort of effectiveness of it? So, yes, so CPAP um, does help prevent snoring. Mm-hmm. So what, snoring occurs um, as our airway starts to collapse a little bit and what the CPAP machine is doing by, by wearing, you're wearing a mask and it's mm-hmm. a machine and by keeping that airway open, it prevents the airway from, from, from collapsing or even for, in, in a lot of cases from starting to collapse. Yep. Or partially collapse. So how long would a patient normally be on CPAP for? Is it one of those things that they can go on, their obstructive sleep apnea gets better and they can come off? Or is it something that they can come and go from? Or is it something that they need to use every night and they use it for the rest of their life? So CPAP, once, once we usually, once we start CPAP, or once somebody has obstructive sleep apnea, usually it's a... Um, it's a, a lifelong thing, although yeah. it may it may improve or or it may get worse. It, that you know, depending on lifestyle and uh, and physiological changes. Mm. Um, but CPAP is usually a long term solution. Mm-hmm. It's like wearing a pair of glasses. Yes. So it only, it's only going to work while you're actually using them. So mm-hmm. when you use when you have a pair of glasses on and you, you can see better. Yes. Um, but you take them off and you can't see very well at all. Same thing with CPAP. So while you're using CPAP during your sleep, um, you're Airways are being well maintained. Uh, you're having very, very few breathing events. Um, but when you don't use it, uh, when you sleep without it, then you, you'll be having, you know, a, as many breathing events as uh, as you've been diagnosed with. Yeah. And so you were saying that the benefits of CPAP would be obviously better quality sleep. Oh yes. But by getting more oxygen to your cells, what else does that help your body be able to function better? Then. Well, yes. So you. Because you're, you, you take the strain off your heart, so your risk of, of um, cardiovascular disease is reduced quite significantly. Um, yeah. So and there, and other so you, you also um, your risk of or, or complications uh, for diabetes is also reduced significantly. Yeah, uh, you often feel a lot better. So people when they have obstructive sleep apnea often feel very tired during the day, as as we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So. By having better quality sleep and and pre- and preventing a lot of those apneas from occurring, people often feel really really good again. Yeah, which means that they don't feel and if they if often their mood is improved, um, they they feel like they can function uh, better than they have bef- than they have in a long time. They yeah. often feel a lot younger. So how noisy are these machines? So th- yeah, that that is something that I think. People often often feel think that they're going to be really really noisy, especially considering um, they're, they're probably comparing it to their sound of, that they're making during the night themselves. <laughs> well, that that's true. Yeah, and um, it, you know they're actually very quiet. So okay. the most you will get you you won't get a, a motor noise or anything like that coming from the machine. Um, the most you'll get is a breathing noise. 
but compared to exactly compared to the snoring yeah. um, that may may have been going on before, it's it's very quiet. And do they worry? Do patients worry that it's going to the sound of the machine is going to wake up their partner? Yeah, yeah, often people do worry about that. Yeah, but again, it's not as loud as they are. It's just like listening to someone listening to your, your partner breathing throughout yep. the night. Yep. So there shouldn't be anything that someone should be worried about? Not at all. And how big are the actual machines? So they do range in size. So you have, uh, I guess, a, you've got uh, CPAP machines that you would use at home. Yes. Uh, and those ones, um, those ones fit quite nicely on your bedside table um, and usually have a a humidifier tank, so a, a water chamber to humidify and warm, warm the air that you're breathing in. Um, and they range from, you know, a, approximately, you know, 1.5 kilograms to 2 kilograms. So they're, they're not too heavy and they're, they're, they're still something you could take travelling with you. Yeah. But there's also some new little travel machines that have come out and yeah. they are tiny. Yes. Um, there's one, there's a, a new one that's come out uh, that only, only weighs 300 grams. Yeah, that's amazing. So you can travel with them then? So, something like the small one you could easily travel with? Oh, definitely. You sure can. So even with the, the bigger ones that you would use at home, you can take those uh, travelling with you. Often airlines, as long as you notify them beforehand, they will often allow you to take it on as extra hand luggage. Okay. Um, in addition to your normal hand luggage, they they can be they can go overseas. Um, so what does someone have to do if they want to go on a plane? Do they have to declare it, did you say, or go through well, security? Or is there any so sort of those issues? There's not too many issues. It's just a good idea to let the airline know that you're bringing one with you yes. before you fly. fly. Yep. Um, that way uh, they will take that into account um, for a weight really yeah. um, how, how much weight. So you'll be taking onto the plane um, and most airlines are pretty happy for you to take that on as extra hand luggage. Um, <clears throat> and I suppose the, it becomes so like a common form of treatment and so common obstructive sleep apnea in the community that nowadays you'll see a CPAP machine and it's very easily, you know, people understand what they are, what they're for yes. and that they're to treat a medical condition. And actually, you know, um, or all the CPAP machines um, that we sell in Australia, they have been approved by the American um, FAA. Oh, right. Um, and so they can actually be used on, on, an, um, on, a on plane. an airplane. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms of battery power, are they a plug-in or...? So they all CPAP machines... Um, yeah, you, know, you would plug into plug the wall. Yep. However, there are options if you want to take one camping with you, for instance, or caravanning. Yes. Um, so they do have uh, often uh, you can buy battery packs for them or you can, you can buy um, what we call uh, converters, mm -hmm. so which, convert, which means you can, you can uh, attach that to a big, massive battery yep. if you're going out for a few days. Yeah, okay. And what happens if you accidentally miss a few nights? So you're either gone away and you've just forgotten to bring it with you or, you know, or yeah. a situation arises and you just, you know, you're new to using it. Is that a big issue? What what it's happens? Not, it's not really. Well, I mean, what happens? I mean, you're going to be okay. Yeah. What you might find is you might find you feel really, really tired um, and, and sometimes people, um, you know, compare it to, feeling a little bit hungover. Mm -hmm. So they don't have that, um, the energy and the... I suppose a more refreshed sleep they want. That, exactly. Yeah. Um, which which could be not so nice when you're on holiday, for instance. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but as far as your health is concerned, you, 
you will be okay. Yeah. That your sleep apnea, any any health effects that have occurred for, because of your obstructive sleep apnea occur because this is because it's something that has gone on for a long time. When you st- when you're having episodes of not breathing every, you know, f- say for instance, twenty times per night per hour, sorry, every single night. Yeah. Um, you know, you can imagine the the strain on your on your heart um, and other body systems are, is quite significant. But it's something that's happened over a long period of time. Yeah. So having a night here or there yeah. where you haven't used it, you will be okay. Yeah. However, it's a good idea to to try and take it with you yeah. wherever you go. What's new in mass? Are they much smaller nowadays? Can you get them where they're quite little and you know? Yeah, yes, you can. They're, in fact, there's a sort of a, quite a range of masks. There's a there's a big range of masks yeah. um, because everybody's got a different shaped face, um, yeah. a different shaped nose. Some people find you know what what one person will find comfortable, another person won't. So there's you know there's lots of different things. So, but generally there's three types of mask. Uh, so there's the the full face mask, which is the mask that covers your nose and your mouth, and that's the one you probably everybody sees. Yes. And you're like, oh, I don't like the yes. idea of that one. Yeah. Um, but these days we also have nasal masks, so those masks just sit over the nose. Yeah. Um, they've still got usually got a reasonable amount of headgear to hold them in place. And what's the most popular one? And then or... you've got little pillow, what we call pillow masks. Yeah. So these ones either sit just under your nose or in or have or in your nose. Mm-hmm. Little, little, like to have two little prongs that sit in your nose. They've usually got very little headgear. They're quite light and and, and easy to use and most people will find them comfortable. Yeah. And have you found over the years they've got smaller and smaller and they more have. comfortable? They yeah. have, yes. So even maybe patients who maybe were put off in years ago using CPAP maybe should go and have a, a look at what's come out because they'd probably be quite shocked. Oh, definitely. That they've evolved quite a lot. From yes, where they were to where they are today, even even from last in the last ten years, what yeah. we've got now compared to what was what was available ten years ago is is has yes. significantly improved. What sort of advice do you give patients? So the, one of the things with CPAP is that it's um it's it's a new experience. Yeah, it's not something. I mean, you're you're going to go home and after se- after seeing your your sleep physician um, or CPAP therapist. And you're going to go home with a mask and a machine. And they've told you you're going to go home and you're going to have to sleep with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's okay if you don't if you find it difficult at first. The thing with CPAP is that it often takes a little bit of persistence, but give it a give it um, not too much of a too much time. Within a couple of weeks, most people have adapted really well to it and and and, and are sleeping well and experiencing the benefits because their sleep apnea has been treated. And it's like anything new, isn't it? It is. And when you've been sleeping this way, one way for years, you know, however many years, um, it, it, it's going to take a little bit of time to to learn how to sleep mattress. a new way. It's like like, get, like when you get a new pillow yeah. or a new mattress. No, it takes true. a little while to get comfortable. And what about you were talking before about risk factors? So um, sometimes when people have obstructive sleep apnea. One of the risk factors is perhaps they, we might be weighing a little bit more than what we should and that we get the advice from our doctors or CPAP therapists, senior um, sleep scientists like yourself to lose a little bit of weight and that can help our obstructive sleep apnea. Will it ever get to a point where they can lose that much weight that they might not need the CPAP machine anymore? That's actually a really great question because um, sometimes it can, but for most people, no. So, um, because most, for most people, 
their sleep apnea or their obstructive sleep sleep apnea is being caused by more than one um, risk factor. One risk factor, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, though, could it also mean that they might need their CPAP machine settings adjusted? So maybe if they did a great job and they were able to lose 5, 10 kilos or maybe more, it might mean that they need to touch base with the CPAP therapist to maybe look at their settings. Oh, yes, definitely. So So it's not a set and forget sort of thing? No, it's not a set. No, it's definitely not a set and forget thing. So usually uh, once you've been diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea and you and you are, have, have, you are treating it with CPAP, um, then you should be having regular checkups with your CPAP therapist or sleep physician, uh, usually about once per year. Mm-hmm. Um, once somebody's, uh, you know, um, gotten used to their CPAP and, and is able to use it well, um, and that's when your CPAP therapist will go through it, through the, um, have a look at the machine, they'll look at the data because they all take data and give you give us information about whether there is, um, how, you know, how often you use it yeah. and whether and how often and whether there have been any apneas and how often that has occurred. Yes. And then from there they'll, you know, either they would, may need to adjust the pressure if it's not adequately um, controlling your your, so it's a bit uh, like medication you, you know, say you get put on blood pressure tablets I'm just, and that they're not a set and forget either. That every now not. and again no. you have to go back, check your blood pressure with your doctor and your doctor might make adjustments exactly. according to what your blood pressure is. Yeah. Is that a similar situation Definitely. with exactly your obstructive sleep apnea? Exactly yeah. the same. So yeah. it's important when people think about CPAP therapy or CPAP treatment for treating obstructive sleep apnea is to really make sure they're getting the treatment from one an accredited sleep provider so yes. they're going to places that are going to offer that support because I think nothing's worse when we buy something as mm-hmm. a consumer whether it's uh, a CPAP machine or whatever yeah. and there is going to be, need a time when you might need to use your warranty or you're just not getting the experience that you thought you were meant to be getting and not being able to connect with the person yeah. and then be able to help you. Have you had situations oh, where patients? So I think. I mean, I think that's. I think it's incredibly important that um, that people go look for providers who have who are qualified. Yeah, because uh, every will be everyone sort of seems to be offering it. Every man well, on the street. Exactly. And so, what are some things that maybe patients should be, I suppose, looking for when they're looking well, to purchase a CPAP machine? What should they be looking for as a consumer who needs to buy this very important treatment? And that's the thing. It's a treatment. It's a treatment for a medical condition. So you're looking for a medical clinic. Yes. You know, Number one, medical num- clinic. A medical clinic. Yeah. Um, so you want to know that, you know, you're, that there's a specialist in um, a doctor who specialises in sleep uh-huh. um, who has been the one to diagnose your sleep apnea. Yes. Um, or if your sleep apnea has been diagnosed elsewhere, at least... Um, be able to know how to treat it so they're a local, appropriately. So you want a local <clears throat> sleep physician. I mean, Cardio Respiratory Sleep is a local um, sleep provider. We're in Melbourne as well. Um, but you're looking for somewhere where you've got a sleep physician there who's diagnosed accurately that you have it in the first place and the second that you actually need it because some patients might That's not need exactly. it. Um, and then if you have been found to have it, need it, then at least where you get the should they trial these machines first? Do you oh, think? definitely. So I mean, 
Seatbelt machines are very expensive, so you do need, you, for a starter, so you need to know that it, you're actually... It's going to work for it, you. Well, it, exactly, that you're going to be able to get used to it and you can use it. The other thing, the other purpose of a trial... Yes. ...is, is to make sure that your, uh, your obstructive sleep apnea is treated appropriately. So you're not handed a machine with some basic settings and sent on your way. Yes. Um, you've got, you, you're looking for somewhere that's got qualified, you know, CPAP therapists who are usually sleep technologists or sleep scientists. So they're people who have not only have a health science degree, but they also have sometimes or have... Um, uh, postgraduate, um, you know, study in sleep. In sleep. In sleep. And itself. so every individual, so um, how my CPAP machine would be set up would be different from yours. Oh, yes. Yeah. It could be. It so definitely. getting a standard model from down the shop, down the road, wouldn't really necessarily suit me, you no. know. So I'd, ha- I'd, you know, really for it to be effective treatment, every CPAP machine should be individually set up for my needs. That's right. And then, and monitored as well. Yeah. So, you know, during a trial, you'll find that um, you know it should be monitored daily. Yeah. So that they, so that if there are any, if there are any changes that need to be made, they can be made. Mm-hmm. Um, also, so not only is everybody's sleep apnea slightly different, so that's so treating the sleep apnea itself will be slightly different um, for each person, but also people's comfort um, comfort levels will be different too. Yeah. And so what they so and also finding the right sort of mask, making sure you've got the right the pressure on the machine that's most comfortable to start off with, so you can go off to sleep. Yeah. Making sure that um, you know y- your humidifier settings are, are correct, so we, we've got the right amount. And what's a of, humidifier? Oh right, well a humidifier is where we so we like to deliver nice warm, yes, um, moist air to your to your airways because because you're having a quite a bit of air being. Pushed, um, pushed into your airway. Yes, um, it, it can get a bit dry. Yes, um, and you so and you can get a bit of a dry mouth and things like that. So it's much better if we can humidify the air. Yes, it's usually a lot more comfortable. Yes, uh, and uh, it makes it. It also means that um, you, there's less side effects. As no, well. that's good. And I think that so they should be make sure that they go to someone qualified who's going to individually set up their machines for them. But also during that trial period, you were saying that. So someone might trial different masks to different machines as well because yes. what they yes. sh- I suppose something that people should know is that they should go somewhere where there's different machines being offered oh, as well or different yeah. masks so then they can get the right fit for them. That's it. So they're looking at somewhere that will isn't just giving you saying here's a machine purchase this that they're wanting to treat your your sleep apnea appropriately. Yeah. Um in, as a medical clinic and I think um, what I'm hearing is that we're all individuals, so you want individualised care. Definitely. Because otherwise okay. we're not, you know, when you know, being treated like the next person, it's sort of gearing you up for maybe not success, you know? Exactly, yeah. So you want, yeah, you want your, you want somebody that is going to follow your, um, your treatment journey yeah. with you um, that is able to, um, tailor it to your individual needs. And so can your machines be remote monitored in? So um, if someone was working up north or something like that and they were having troubles, they could ring you and um, you can go and have a look at their settings? Or... Yeah. So these days um, most most machines will now send have the ability to actually send data mm-hmm. um, to the uh, clinic 
And they do this usually um, is it via a, using their own inbuilt SIM card, so usually yes. via a, a 3G or 4G network. Um, sometimes there is the, some machines also have the ability to pop um, to attach a little modem to it, so mm-hmm. it can send it that way if if you're if you're a bit more remote. Mm. And uh, yeah, so and then that way that way the um, sleep scientist can have a look at the data um, and make any changes. Uh, that are required. They can also. It also means if you have difficulty getting into seeing see them so, personally. Yeah. Um, although we would always recommend a, a, a face-to-face um, appointment uh, over a remote appointment. Um, it is still very helpful. It means you're not out there if you're unable to attend. Yeah. Um, feeling a bit daunted by it all. Exactly. You've got you've got that support. No, that's good. And do you need to be using the machine a certain amount of hours during the night to gain benefit from CPAP? Well, obviously, the longer you use it, so the more of your sleep you're using it for, um, the greater the benefit. Yeah. Uh, you want to, so you know, any any sleep where you're not using CPAP, you'll be having you'll be having apneas occur, uh, and this will mean you often feel really unrefreshed in the morning. So yeah. if you use if you sleep for eight hours a night and you only have four hours, you only use CPAP for four hours. Or, of that eight hour sleep although that's still really that's still beneficial and and we would definitely encourage that yeah um you still got another four hours though where you're not having very good quality good. sleep at all yeah. so you want to be trying to use an individualized treatment for you to make sure that you're using it as many hours as possible during the yes. night to gain benefit is what i'm hearing and so what about um after you've had a successful treatment journey and you're looking and you think, oh, actually, I might, um, I might consider purchasing this machine because I've gained benefit from it. Then what should the patient do? Because I think sometimes then the patients often will think, oh, I might look around. But what are some questions that maybe or things that they should be looking out for? Should they be thinking about the aftercare? Like what happens after I buy this machine? Because is it is it quite, in your experience, is it quite common for patients to need to keep reconnecting while they're on CPAP indefinitely? Yes, yes. yes. So often um, patients should be going back to see their um, their CPAP therapist and sleep, or sleep physician um, at least one, you know, about once a year, so every yes. 12 months, so, so that, that you've got some ongoing monitoring of, your, of the treatment um, <clears throat> and, and any, if there are any changes that need to be made. Also equipment, um, you know, the actual machine itself and the mask and things like that, you may need to replace little little bits and of do it. they need to replace so um what they've got filters don't they, so they how have, often do they have to replace those so they've got filters in them which uh um which catch all the dust as the yes. air is, is pulled into so the machine important to clean so, them so out it's really important to have them nice and clean. so it's like a vacuum cleaner in that you have to is, you yes. should clean your and filters fact, <laughs> <laughs> used to be the original CPAPs were uh, very similar to vacuum cleaners. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and they used to be very noisy like that too, but so much better these days. Yeah, they sort um, of uh, become like the Dyson. They have <laughs> exactly <laughs> the no. Dyson for breathing. That's right. <laughs> so, but they yes they have um, they have, so they have filters, filters that have they, to be replaced. You want to replace them really regular, regularly. And what about servicing? So are they a machine where they? You know, like any other appliance, say uh, like a car, they need to be serviced. Uh, so when you again, when you uh, go back for your checkups, um, your the sleep scientist should actually look at your machine and they'll test it and make sure it's working correctly um, and that it's actually blowing out the pressure that it says that it's blowing. Yeah. Um, if there's anything 
uh, you know, is anything not working on it or not going so well, um, then they can usually be sent off to um, the manufacturer um, to be to be serviced or to be uh, repaired. Yeah, and I think it's important to share with everyone. Um, should we really take a minute to stop and think? Okay, what what does this actually mean? Because when the worst case scenario is going to happen with this machine, e.g., it stops working, who am I going to call? Where can I get help? So they really need to make sure that wherever they're looking at buying this treatment long term, and that's if they've had a successful trial, that who's going to be there for them at that, those yes. times? Yes. Because have you had situations where patients have gone somewhere else? They've gone. Oh, yes, I have. I mean, we, one of the things that we um, we we offer with our service is um, ongoing follow ups um, included in the in the purchase of the of a machine. Um, and so I, I've had uh, I had one particular patient who um, had. Uh, he had quite complicated um, sleep apnea um, that needed re- more regular follow-ups than, yeah. than, than normal. Um, but he was also very, very price price conscious. Yeah, which is fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so he bought so he bought his machine um, at a at a a CPAP dealer, so some a place that doesn't have um, any uh, any medical um, staffing. Yes, and. Uh, he, found, he, he went back because they, they said that they did offer an aftercare service and so he went back for that um, to find that they were adjusting his machine, um, you know, they, they, incorrectly. They mm. were also, and dangerously, yeah. <laughs> um, they were also not, uh, you know, they, there was no appointments available so they couldn't spend the time with him. Yeah. Um, he would just, you know, have to turn up there and see if someone was available. Um, and so then he, he realised very quickly it, he then needed to actually come and see somebody um, that, you know, specialised in this area, that had experience um, with these sorts of uh, machines and his type of um, of medical condition. Yeah, I suppose even though you can buy it at retail outlets now, mm. I suppose it doesn't mean that the retail outlets who are providing it are are actually experienced sleep well, that's the thing. And this particular patient, um, you know, it wasn't just being, he needed to see not only the sleep scientist, but he obviously needed needed um, the sleep physician, so the um, yeah. the specialist doctor to be involved in his, um, his, care. his care. And I think sometimes that's the um, benefit, isn't it, is that when you go to a provider who've got the sleep physician involved, when you have had cases where really you need a sleep physician involved they'll come and have a look at the readings on the patient and they'll get the raw data from the machine as well and they get very involved in the care and the medical management because at the end of the day it is a treatment so very often when you go to an accredited place the sleep physician will get involved in cases where they're having difficulties and they will have a look at the data and get involved in the medical treatment so that that happens when you go to somewhere where the sleep physician is that yes. is working. That yeah. that's correct. Yes, because it's um because it's not uh you know it's it's about making about treating um a person's medical condition yeah um, in an appropriate way um and yeah obviously the you know the sleep physician is going to be quite interested to see you know why a certain type of treatment may or may not be working well for that. And person. it's a shame in some ways because years mm. ago and please jump in. I think years ago 
um, before retail outlets were selling these machines, sleep physicians were actually prescribing it. So they would yes. literally, it would be a prescription, like you would go mm-hmm. as a prescription for your blood pressure tablets or your cholesterol tablets. They would write it as a prescription. And in those days, yes. it was very much treated that because that's what it is. And yes. I think unfortunately <laughs> since retail outlets have got involved People have lost sight of really that it is a medical condition. There is seriousness of it in that, you know, it does affect people's quality of life, but also their medical conditions, uh, not just their sleep. Their health is, yeah, their health, their heart. Primary concern. So, yeah. And yeah, right. They did. They used to, or they would write exactly what they used to do was write a prescription, just like you would write a prescription for. You know, medical medication, high blood pressure tablets or something. Yeah. Um, And these days, although um, they don't always necessarily write physical prescriptions, yes, (laughs) um, they do. uh, Those that um, you know, they do work quite closely with their um, with their CPAP therapists and sleep scientists, and they will often tell them what you know what settings they would like a, a patient to. Um, start off their journey on or it may be that you know something isn't quite working with this particular person so um, they may need a a change to their settings and uh, and and so then the the sleep physician is then consulted to find out how you know what what's the best way to go when changing these particular settings for for this particular person's uh, type of sleep and and um, especially as we age as well and we get older and mm-hmm. uh, our bodies change our needs might change with the sleep oh well you know as, yeah. as we unfortunately as we get a bit older we get a bit uh, you know things aren't quite as uh, as um, toned as they used to be yeah. <laughs> the muscles relax a bit more easily is that the same <laughs> with your with your throat yes, muscles as definitely. well is that yeah. right not to mention, we often get put on a little bit of a um, little bit more weight, so yes. usually that ends up, you know, around our our tummies and our necks and, and our things. necks as well. Okay, um, so it's not just um, abdominal weight; it is also the weight around the around thickness your of your neck. Yes, the reason why your air an airway collapses is, you know, there's a, there's so many different reasons why that yeah. will happen. There's um, things, or but things like uh, we know weight gain or, you know, obviously ageing because we're a bit more relaxed or anything that will relax our muscles more, so things like drinking alcohol yeah, um, right. in the evenings, uh, taking sedatives, taking certain other medications that you might be prescribed for for other um, health conditions can sometimes cause uh, your sleep apnea to, to be a bit worse. Uh, there's, you know, things like nasal congestion, so sometimes yeah. people often get a, get a bit of a blocked nose and yes. they can cause a little bit of a... A negative Snoral. pressure in yeah. your throat. Yeah, you often find you snore snore more. And I suppose that's cold. why it's so important to see people that are very experienced because it sounds like it's not as straightforward as what people think. No, no, you've been diagnosed with OSA. <laughs> go and get a CPAP machine. It sounds like yeah. at the end of the day, there's so many different factors, so many different influences, different machines, different masks, different treatments, and that by getting experienced people involved whether that's clinicians, the CPAP therapists, the, the sleep scientists involved, they're very experienced in sleep. Yes. So they are better equipped and experienced to help oh, you definitely. through that in terms of finding effective treatment and getting a good night's sleep. Oh, 
For sure. In fact, it's all they do. They live, breathe and eat sleep, basically. <laughs> they're, the, they're the sleep specialists. They are. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today, Lizzie, and teaching us a little bit more about obstructive sleep apnea and CPAP treatment. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please send me an email of any medical topics you would love to learn more about by simply emailing me at danae at meditalk.com.au. Danae, D-A-N-A-E, at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and let's talk soon. Thank you.